You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord Jesus, you are the God of the impossible. And so we pray that you would meet us now in your word, that our eyes uh, might be open uh, to you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Draw your attention to uh, our Luke passage, which was uh, just read about the, ga- the angel Gabriel's uh, announcement to the Virgin Mary that she would bear a child whose name would be great and that he would come and save his people. And his name is Jesus. And as I've been pondering over this passage for the past several weeks, I've come to think on what an extraordinary God can do in the lives of ordinary people. I want to say from the outset, though, that this is no ordinary story that we've heard in Luke's gospel. If you should think I'm downplaying the uniqueness of what is happening here, you are mistaken. This is the announcement of God's coming to earth, and this way is an unrepeatable marvel. If you don't think that, I want to challenge you every time you write a check or draft a letter to think about this when you're writing out the date. Do you know what you're claiming when you write out the date? You're claiming that it is the 2019th year of the Lord's reign. All of time revolves around this moment. And that's why that Luke actually uses language from Genesis to describe what is happening here where he says in verse 35 that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is the same language of Genesis 1 where the Spirit of God hovered over the waters in the beginning of creation. And so this declaration that Gabriel is issuing to Mary is one that the world is going to be different after this moment. And what I'm saying to you is the most important news that the world has ever heard. And all of those prophecies from Isaiah that we heard read, they had to wait 700 years for them to come true. But for 700 years of waiting, now it's come true and everything has changed because Jesus is coming. And it will always be true that we'll think upon this moment and Mary and echo her, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This announcement is distinctive to Mary, never to happen to us. And yet Luke portrays Mary as a simple, unpretentious believer. And so there are things in Mary's life in this moment that ought to be true of us as Christians. The first is she was uniquely favored, and I'm going to try to stick as much to the text as possible here. She was uniquely favored. Second, Mary was greatly troubled. And thirdly, Mary humbly and freely submitted to God's will for her life. And these, again, are not only markers of, marks of Mary's faith, but all of us as believers and should be manifested in our own lives. Firstly, she was uniquely favored. When the angel comes to her in verse 26, he says that, that 
in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to this virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And when he comes to her, he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, this does not mean that she is uniquely holy or that Mary is some kind of Christian on a different plane from other believers. In fact, Mary's life is just like our lives. It's a bit checkered. I mean, even after hearing uh, this announcement and even after raising the Lord Jesus from an infant into manhood, in Mark chapter 3, we find Mary actually rejecting Jesus as the Messiah for a little while before coming back around and realizing who this man, her son, is. And so we see that Mary doesn't marry, excuse me, Mary doesn't merit God's favor, but she is the recipient of God's grace. And she understands that, which is why she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. This unique work in Mary's life began with God's gracious favor. And this principle is true for all believers. If God is going to save and use me in my life, it must begin with Him. Or put it the other way around, we do not do God a favor when we come and serve Him. Lurking in the human heart is the idea that if we come to church and say our prayers... We are somehow doing God a favor. He will be pleased with us and will even earn brownie points. When I became a Christian, and as I continue down that road, I've realized that that is complete nonsense. In fact, the longer I've been a Christian, the more amazed I am that God puts up with me. The more you appreciate the grace of God... Mary was a recipient of the grace of God, and so are you if you are a Christian. It's a one-way love that is directed toward you as it was toward Mary, that she was greatly favored because God decided that it was so, not because of anything that she had done. Secondly, we see that she was greatly troubled In verse 29, we hear that she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, you notice that what she's troubled with is this that she is the object of grace. She's actually not troubled by the manifestation of Gabriel in her presence, but by what he is saying. We see here that Mary is a thinker, she is reflective. Later on, we hear that she ponders all of these things in her heart. She's amazed more than she's moved. And so as she begins to ponder these things, what is the problem? What is it that she really begins to grapple with? Well, it's the very words of Gabriel, who says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. 
And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Of course she's troubled. What would you think? If a messenger of God came to you and said, God is going to do something that is totally against nature and in fact is going to bring upon you a great deal of hardship and scorn and judgment in your life, even though he is the promised Messiah, it's not without cost for Mary. At this point, she's betrothed to Joseph, which means that the dowry and all of her financial assets have already been transferred to him. She's moved out of her family home. She's staying with friends until that day in which they were married. And at that point, that's a foregone conclusion. And now she's told, you're pregnant. The Old Testament actually requires that she be stoned. Now, because they're under Roman occupation, That punishment is not carried out in Jesus' day, but it might as well have been. She would never live this down, even into Jesus' adulthood. Later on, here in Luke's gospel, we hear the people ask when Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth and begins to teach Is not this Joseph's son? And how 30 years of memories come flooding back to her and the incrimination against her in that word, aren't you Joseph's son? Wink, wink. In fact, we don't know whose son you are. If you are Joseph's son, you're illegitimate. Mary at times probably wished that she had been stoned. How is it that the thing that the world has said ruined Mary turned out to be the greatest blessing of her life? Might that be true of you? Have you found yourself in a place of confusion, asking what Mary is asking? How can this be? Why is this happening to me? If your life is anything like mine, it's a series of events like that. Where you get to a place of helplessness and you wonder, how in the world can I get myself out of this situation? Why has this fallen upon me? And in fact, the opposite of what is being said here is what I feel. I don't feel that God is very near, Emmanuel, God with us. I feel God against me. I feel like he's very far gone as if he's abandoned me. Here I am in the wilderness. Where is God now? And it may be that you're dealing with something like that right now. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation, and I can't even begin to think of how God might redeem it. Might it be that God has actually brought you to the place that you are in? And I know that's very hard to ask, because some of you are dealing with stuff that can't be talked about, or you think it can't be talked about, that you think no one will understand, and if you articulate it, it'll bring judgment from everyone else. Mary, you're pregnant. Yes, but it's God's baby. 
Who could she say that to? Or have you ever encountered someone who you know has gone through such a difficulty in their lives that you wonder, how did they get through unscathed? They seem to go in one way and they came out another way, maybe even stronger, and they, it doesn't make sense to me. How were they able to get through so unaffected? Well, those of you who are Christians who have been through such trials and ordeals know that you are not who you are in spite of the trial. You are who you are because of it. Isn't this what Paul says in Romans chapter 5? More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, it may be that God hasn't orchestrated the tragedy that has come into your life. It might be a result of your sin or just the brokenness and sinfulness of this world. And yet, there is God. Because that's the answer to Mary's question, how would this be since I am a virgin? And Gabriel's answer is God's power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Because there is a point in all of our lives where we get to a place where we feel so far gone that all we have is God. All we can rely upon is God. Mary was humbly and freely submissive to God because of her trust in the God of the impossible. That's how Gabriel concludes his answer. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you disbelieve the virgin birth? I would say it's not because of science that you disbelieve, but it's because you believe in a small God who is not capable of the impossible. If you believe in a God of the impossible, the virgin birth is not that hard to grapple with. But do you believe it in your own situations, in your own circumstances? Do you understand that the God whom you serve is the God of the impossible? Not the God of limitations. Do you think that you are beyond redemption? Do you think that your situations and relationships in your life are too far gone? For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary's eyes are open to this fact that God is able. And so she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. If this is God's word, if this is what it says about who God is and what he does, then that is what I must hold on to. But do you notice that Mary is not just left with that. 
Earlier on, the angel Gabriel says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Not only does God speak a word into her life that nothing is impossible with me, but I'm going to give you someone that you can talk to. I'm going to be able to give you someone who you can unburden yourself to. The only person probably on the face of the earth that can understand what you're going through. And after Gabriel uh, departs from her, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah where she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Well, no wonder. I would make haste too. And when she pours out her heart to Elizabeth, she doesn't meet judgment. But she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed are the fruit of your womb. And John the Baptist, the baby within her womb, leaped for joy. What a word. When you feel like the world is caving in upon you, when you think that it's the end of everything, and someone says, Blessed are you. God highly favors you. God loves you, and he's brought you to this place. And not only is this awful situation that you find yourself in redeemable, but he's going to use it to redeem the entire world. Do you know that that's what God does for you? That's what all of this is for? That God would come and dwell amongst us and save us from our sins? And not only does he save us and reconcile us to God the Father by his cross and resurrection, but he reconciles us to one another and that God in his mercy has given us a family of 3,600 brothers and sisters here at the Advent. And surely, surely there has to be one Elizabeth amongst us that we can go to and unburden ourselves and to hear a word of grace and forgiveness. And we see all of this in the life of Mary like those of us who find ourselves in a relationship with Jesus, uniquely favored. And when we grow more in the knowledge and love of our Lord Jesus Christ and get more into his word, the longer we're Christians, the more troubled we become by what he has to say. But we trust in him, who is the God of the impossible. And we humbly and freely submit to him our Lord, and our Master. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.